Welcome back, peeps, to Perfect.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Hey there, Perfect Peeps. Coming to you on a cold, wintry day in December. I have with me my co-host, but also my guest this week, Nicholas Roosh. Hey there, perfect peeps. How's everybody doing today? It is freezing out here. I know we are literally two lakes away from one another, but it is ice cold. I I, uh, I decided that I'd work from home today because it's kind of cold in our office, and I'm usually the warm one, and I still have the furnace on and my little heater downstairs on. It's insane out. I think you need to get one of those vests, you know, the new Amazon vest that look like they'll light on fire as soon as you plug it in. I think you need one of those. <laughs> yeah, I might have to branch out and go that route. Um, so anyways, the reason we have Nick on as a guest host today is to talk about his program management at kind of GM and just in general, uh, what program management is. So how long have you been working at GM? Uh, yeah, so I've been at GM for just over three years been focused solely on infotainment piece and and for those that don't know infotainment is the radio so fm am xm carplay android auto etc we do it all i was gonna say these days it's like just the screen that's in your car right pretty much pretty much actually there's a little cpu tucked underneath in a completely different spot usually than the the screen itself so it's uh it's pretty fun stuff it's pretty fun stuff yeah that's pretty cool yeah I've gotten the pleasure to ride around with Nick um, in some of these cars, and he's always got this like CPU hanging out from under the dash as he's testing it. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, and, and the great thing is, it's like we're always continually innovating. Being a PM at GM has been uh, a truly a, a remarkable journey so far. That's awesome. It's a great company to work for. Uh, both our dads actually uh, work for GM for. A, your dad's still working for GM, yeah. right? Yeah, somehow, <laughs> some way. He actually puts in, I think, more hours than I do a week. So I gotta, I gotta keep up with the old man. But um, it's it's pretty cool though to uh, carry on with within his legacy and, and work for the same company. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Uh, I know my dad worked on the floor for like 28 years. So for those not in the business, that's that's the place where they actually put the cars together. They always referred to what we do now as carpet land because they uh, actually had carpeting up where the tech services and the business side of the house at GM um, and Delphi were at. <laughs> that's awesome. So uh, to dive into the project manager, or sorry, see, I almost did it already, but you're a program manager. And my first question is, what is the difference between a project manager and a program manager? I still don't understand that. So I think, Alex, the one thing to kind of keep in mind when it comes to a project manager, we'll start with that. A project manager is somebody that focuses solely on one particular item at a time. And essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to say, hey, I'm writing this book or I'm doing this podcast or I'm trying to raise my kids. All of those really could be considered a project. What separates a project from a normal day work is essentially making sure that a project has a start and end date. Um, and so you're working with a collective team to try to bring X product or X project to life. So it can be tangible, it can be intangible. What separates a project from a program manager is a program manager typically is dealing with multiple projects at one time that roll up to that program manager to deliver. So a good example for instance is from an infotainment standpoint, 
I'm responsible not only to make sure that we have the radio functioning, but there are so many layers to getting the infotainment to be perfect and be where it needs to be. One of those things is making sure that you have audio working. So you have an AM, FM stream, you have a media stream, you want to make sure that your hardware is working. So again, all of these various components and various activities all kind of roll up into one particular program manager. And for each of those subcomponents, that's where we get into having a product owner or even a PM, a project manager responsible for delivering that particular component to the overall program manager. So I, I heard you talk a little bit there for a product owner. Um, so do you, um, do product owners actually like report up through you or how does that structure typically work? So we at, at GM and in a lot of shops, I think we're a project sized organization. So I personally don't have any direct reports that I'm responsible for, but each of those reports, each of the product owners or PMs that do work on my particular program are responsible for working with me. And I work with their engineering managers to make sure that they have the allocation needed to devote to our program so we can be successful. Cool. It's really neat. Yeah. Um, so just knowing you and um, having been around you for over a decade now, I know that there's a time there where you were really focused on getting your PMP or your project management professional certification. Um, can you tell me like, what, what is that? Why do you need it? You know, what, what is PMP all about? Well, um, it's not the 50 cent song. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, I, I went into it thinking that was what it was and turns out that wasn't the case. You came um, out with something a little better, huh? <laughs> I think it's actually helped me out in the long run. Yeah. Essentially I was on a, I was on an international project back in 2005. I was responsible for a project in Brazil, uh, delivering what at the time was revolutionary workforce management solutions, which was all via GPS and triangulation for technicians working in the cable industry. At that time, the buzz was over being a PMP. And essentially what that meant was this was back in second version of the PMP. And I think now it's on six or seven or something of that nature. But essentially it it's a, it's a collection of standards and practices that individual needs to adhere to and follow when it comes to launching a project. So uh, the best thing I would say is it's a framework, right? It's like an SDK for project management. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. How long, how long did it take to like study for and actually get through? I, I, I've heard that they've changed um, more recently. How long did it take you? Uh, it took, it took a good year. The, the key thing though, wasn't necessarily the length of time to study. It was the, the business need, right? It's to, it's to make sure that you actually have the experience to apply first. So I think back when I was originally uh, responsible for it, I had to show that I had over five years of project related leadership. Given that my original background was a little bit more in software engineering, as well as leading software teams, I was able to use some of that towards getting the PNP uh, back then. Overall, I, I spent a year studying. I, I had to get, I think 60 PDUs is what they're called, they're professional development units. And I got 60 of those and then took a 200 question test. Wow. Uh, yeah. What, what did you have to score? Do you remember? Uh, I, I think it was, you had to score in uh, each of the categories you had to actually pass. So that it, the different phases of program management, you had to pass. And, and one thing we can do is in the show notes, I'll, I'll provide some additional information on what that would take. Cool. But the, the one thing I would say is the 
the PMP, again, going back to it being a framework is, is really, I think what is key to setting up young professionals that want to seek this out because it, it does lay out all the common terms that you would use and some of it you're never going to use. I mean, that's, that's kind of the thing you, you don't code every single day and use every single um, piece of the framework. You only use the bits and pieces you need and that you think are applicable. And I think having that in your toolbox and, and me personally having it in my toolbox has made me very successful in this industry uh, and, and to, to get me to where I'm at today. Very cool. Um, so actually in my shop, what we have are kind of scale coaches and that's, uh, it's another framework, but it's more based on agile. Do you still implement agile methodologies within your project management practices or program management practices? Uh, so the one thing that's, that's interesting with automotive is the car always has to ship, right? So, um, Unfortunately, with, with the car shipping, it's a very waterfall-based society, right? The, the car has a ship date. It has to ship on that date. So overall, the development is all waterfall-based. But what we do unique in our, in our software shop is we do practice very specific agile strengths and try to avoid scrum or fall, if at all possible. Um, mm -hmm. So we do ensure that we have sprints locked down. Uh, there's user story planning. There's user story grooming. Uh, we want to make sure that essentially in a seven-week cadence, which is our release cadence, we'll have three sprints to support that. So a two, two, three uh, cadence for our sprints and then followed by a release. And our goal is to make sure that anything external is shipped within a release. So within that seven-week, we don't try to limit our developers in any way to have to rush to get the code out and try to keep them as as in their agile framework as possible, working with their scrum teams. And the great thing is, is within my role, I get to join a lot of these scrum meetings that happen daily and uh, just see where our progress is and see where the pain points are that people are having. And ultimately, I think it's a, it's a great way of development. So are your um, like project managers, I know your program managers, see how I keep trying to remember that. Yeah. Um, are your project managers doing things like uh, pull request request reviews? Is that the level of detail they get into? Uh, the, so the PO actually in our groups are responsible for doing the request reviews. I think um, again, folks on, on the podcast, that's product owner, correct? That's correct. Yeah. So the product cool. owner, product owner actually has a pretty big responsibility within the group. And there, theirs is essentially grooming the backlog um, and making sure that uh, we have an understanding of what's going to be done in that uh, sprint. And they're also responsible for giving the the plus one on the uh, development check-in, as well as making sure that our dev QA is lined up to do the plus two uh, to support that. Awesome. So you guys kind of have some check gates built into your uh, process there, it sounds like. So you have to have a few approvals for, for the software to move forward then? Absolutely. And the one thing that we're very meticulous on is we we do follow specifications uh, within the organization. And we want to make sure that the, that those specifications, as they're updated, our development practices are updated as well. Very cool. Awesome. Um, so as far as project management as a whole, and kind of since you're in it day in, day out, where do you see it headed in the next like three to five years? What do you see changing? I think software is going to really help shape the future of project management. And what I mean by that is I think there's going to be unique tools out there that not only assist project managers um, and program managers, but just 
help make sure that teams are focused on the critical items, right? And making sure that we have an understanding. I also think that agile and agile methodology is is going to take the lead in a lot of areas. I've seen it grow consistently over the last five years, um, and I don't see that slowing down. Uh, You know, you look to look to things like scale and you you look at some of what they're trying to do and what they're trying to implement. That's just good business practices. Yeah, 100%. So I think that that is going to be a really cool item. I also think, again, that there will be some unique program management tools that will help will help our efficiency out and, and ultimately just make us a better, better communication, better collaboration. Very cool. So the the next part that I'm very curious about, I guess, is talking about how you and I actually started out on the same path at Grand Valley. How, like, what shifted in your mind for developers out there? And we're always trying to build up developers and kind of coach them where they're headed. So I definitely like went down the development route and I'm actually kind of into the architecture side and that's more technical um, for people that like think they're like enjoying development, but they're in that IS path. And so they're taking business classes. What kind of guided you towards uh, that side of project management instead of development? Yeah. Uh, I think it's a great question because we we did have very similar backgrounds. Where I found a little bit of happiness was understanding what my strengths are and understanding where I'm most happy. Um, while I love to do development and I love to work with the latest technology, I know my personal strengths. If I was to give a company eight hours of solid nick time, I would do a much better job being a team leader and coach and a, and a motivator. I can definitely see myself in a a PO type of role as well, but I do think I'm the type of guy, maybe my disc profile says I'm a a complete straight (laughs) up eye. Uh, I'm the type of guy that's there to motivate the teams and get teams involved and just be a, uh, really a coach through everything. So me personally, I think I found development was more of a solo thing for me. Um, And I love what you're doing here, Alex, with, with the podcast and with the community is it's a community, which I think is is key to a lot of people to have that sense. And at the time, we didn't have anything like this. Uh, so it just seemed more or less of, of a silo for me. And I wanted to branch off and kind of co-collaborate. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point, kind of how, how we both tied that in and back into the community side of things. So obviously, you're my, my co-host on Perfect.dev, which is super exciting. But one of the challenges that I've found throughout my career all the way college to to where I'm at today is you and I both tend to be somewhat more extroverted. I would say you're definitely more extroverted than I am, but I actually label myself as introverted and um, read a book recently kind of uh, being an introvert in an extrovert's world. Um, How do you think that plays out for people in web development and they're thinking about project management? Would you say like, you have to be extroverted to be able to continue successfully in project management or could a developer who you know doesn't do well with large crowds and things like that do you think they could still handle that skill set now that we're more agile work from home yeah you know that's an interesting question i think i think what it comes down to is again it goes back to where your happy place is and i think you know i i would hope that the organizations that that people are getting hired into have some sort of uh, technical leadership path, um, because 
you know, ultimately what I see is I see a lot of developers come up to me and say, Hey, how can I be a program manager? Because okay. they see that as the next way to level up the next way to get a level up in their salary. And, and that's really sad. You know, it's ultimately, I think if you love doing what you're doing, continue to do that. Don't, don't go and chase the money because ultimately you're not going to be happy. And I know ultimately if a developer job right now was paying me $200,000, I might be happy because I'm making that money, <laughs> uh, but I'm not, I'm not necessarily happy with, with the quality that I'm bringing to an organization that I think I can do being a program manager. So I think it's, it's following the pursuit of happiness. And I do think whether you're introverted or extroverted, if you're happy about it, you'll make a difference. Um, yeah, for sure. Have you seen a lot of people make that jump from development to project management or program management? I, I mean, I think, yeah, I think you have seen that. I, I think when I look at our group of project and program managers that we have, a lot of them did start out as devs. And again, I think a lot of them started out because there was a salary bump or there's, there's a salary need um, and there's an opportunity to get a little bit more in the limelight, so to say, um, when it comes to delivering these projects. So I, I do think it's there. I think it's possible, but I also, I caution people because if it's something you really don't have any interest in doing, do, do what you love, do what you love and, uh, and be the best you can at it. And that's, that's great advice. Success. That's, that's absolutely huge. Um, for sure. Do you have any advice for those that are kind of midway through their career? Would you suggest kind of going through that, that PMP style of certification and uh, skilling up that way to become a, a more perfect peep? Or would you say, um, you know, go towards scale and agile? Or do you think it's dependent on the, the business that they might be looking to get into? Yeah, I think it can also shift based on business. But I do think Again, looking back at the PMP, I'm thankful that I don't have to look at the 3,000 page book that it originally came with or the Bible <laughs> um, any longer. But I am thankful that there are tons of courses out there, courses that have helped me through it, flashcards that have helped me through it. YouTube, I know, is a huge resource now as well. You know, training courses like what we do, Alex, all of this is a great way to get your feet wet to determine if this is something that you really want. That's what I would first focus on is hey, let me look at this. And maybe another thing we can do with the show notes is provide some of this detail and where people can go to find out more information to see if that's something they even want to do. Because uh, again, ultimately, find your happiness, find your path, and, yep. uh, and, and you'll be fine. Yep, absolutely. For sure. Well, that's all the questions I have about project or program management. Um, so we're trying to add a segment on, and you and I talked prior to the uh, podcast, we're going to call it rando questions or random questions or perfect questions. I don't know. We're, we're not there yet. What do you think? I'm, I mean, I love rando because it reminds me of Lambo. Um, so I, so love, I love rando. So my, my rando for you today is uh, why did you start a side hustle coffee business? What is that all about? Oh, the coffee business. I love it. Um, you know, I had to, it was, Interesting. I have a, also a uh, background in culinary arts and wanted to make sure that I still use that side of my brain, that creative side of my brain. And one day we were brainstorming, my wife and I were coming up with ideas. And initially we wanted to talk about doing a distillery 
Well, doing mm -hmm. a distillery in Michigan isn't exactly the most cost-effective thing when you're trying to raise two kids on one salary. So uh, for, for those of you uh, listening around the world, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan is called Beer City, USA. So it's a hard market these days to probably get into. <laughs> yeah, very hard, uh, very hard. But, you know, we looked at startup cost and figuring out things. Well, both my wife and I, we met over coffee and coffee is a huge aspect in our life. And we've... You know, I just said one day, I said, hey, what if we bought a coffee roaster? So literally we bought a coffee roaster before we had a, a small get together at our house and we roasted a pound of coffee and we thought it was good. You know, we continued to perfect that. Um, since then, we've scaled up. Uh, we've gotten a bigger coffee roaster. But the one thing that we really wanted to be different about or a market differentiator for us is we wanted to make sure that the coffee you get from us is roasted the day you place your order. It's not sitting on a shelf. It's not at Walmart. It's not at a store that has had those beans there for, for six months and they're just waiting to be picked. They're roasted the day you place that order and not a day sooner or an hour sooner. So uh, we really take our pride in micro roasting is what we like to call it, in which we're um, able to deliver fresh roasted beans all over the United States. Unfortunately, sorry, world peeps, we're not able to get you those yet. Um, but all over the United States, we're able to roast and we have free shipping on all of our products. So we really try to make sure that we roast on the same day we get the order. We ship it out as soon as we possibly can and we deliver it right to your door. And we have subscription models on our website and just a really awesome, awesome journey so far. We've been doing this for two years and it's definitely a passion project for me. And I just love where we've been able to take it. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm really excited to be part of that as well. So it's it's super fun. Um, I wanted to send out one last reminder on perfect.dev. You can always click on the message icon and drop us your audio questions. So we're going to be doing other types of shows, kind of news updates and answering questions that people might have. So click that link where it says message on perfect.dev. We'll read through those and then hopefully you'll be on the show with us building up that community as perfect peeps. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Head over to perfect.dev to check out our other content and say hi to our community. No matter what you are pursuing, keep working and stay perfect.